0: Hi folks, Kate Watson here, coming to you from the comfort of my home. Before we begin the theme song and start the episode, I just wanted to send a message of solidarity with those of you around the world whose lives have been changed, potentially forever changed due to this pandemic that we're experiencing as a a global family you know only trying to help started a year ago as an idea about how to engage the people around the world who really try the the people who give a shit <laughs> and now we have listeners in 25 countries who keep coming back to us because they know they're a part of a group who cares we're the people who feel stuff we're the people who dream of better worlds And we're the people prepared to face tough stuff to make change. This episode that you're about to hear was, like all of our episodes, recorded many, many weeks ago. And at that time that it was recorded, coronavirus certainly existed, but it had not yet moved around the world. It wasn't yet something that Leslie and I felt we needed to acknowledge, but a lot has changed over the past four or five weeks, and now it feels like an enormous elephant in the room if we don't at least say something about the pain we are collectively feeling. Look, on on this podcast, we tried to take painful things and make them seem less paralyzing, Sometimes we even make light of them, but we hope we do so in a way that helps us breathe a bit more freely. We try to help the everyday counselors in us come alive, step up, and be supportive. This episode in particular was meant to be a bit of a rewind and a revisit of the topic compassion fatigue. I can't... Imagine a more appropriate topic to consider while we have doctors, nurses, police officers, garbage collectors, pizza delivery folks, and grocery store workers risking their lives to help us. They're tired. I know they are. They've been helping more than any one person should be asked to help. And fatigue is setting in for a lot of us. I think about the parents who are trying to recreate school at home right now, who are trying not to show their anxiety to their kids and who worry about the bills piling up. I guess I just wanted to say we all have our limits. And although this podcast is still primarily about giving help to others well, there comes a time to ask for it too. Be well, friends. Here's episode 29, Only Trying to Help. And welcome back to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Kate Watson. I'm here with Leslie. Um, Having fun today, Leslie?
1: So much fun, Kate. How are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: good. Um, You know, last season, in season two, we did an episode where we hit rewind. We um, actually, I think this was one that you you were not with me. I did I did this one solo. Um, but it was kind of nice to be able to go back to some previous topics and dig a little more deeply and, um, and you know, reopen some books that maybe we thought we had closed. So we're going to do it again for season three. We're going to hit rewind, go back to some previous topics and maybe look at them in a different way, dig a little bit more deeply and see what new things we can discover. So, um I thought we might start with, uh, in season two, we did an episode called Compassion Fatigue. Um, we talked about the ways that trying to help other people can sometimes take a toll on us. Um, do you ever run into this, Leslie? Like, just feeling kind of burnt out from trying to help others?
1: Yeah, I think especially if you you do this as part of, like, your, your professional life, you know, you hear a lot of things, and it can... Sort of start to become overwhelming, especially if you're not maybe in a mentally good place.
0: Yeah, and you know, we already spent a whole episode kind of digging into what happens and how does this happen and what are those symptoms that you might notice. But you know, the long and short of it is. Being helpful to other people and always giving your listening ear to them and your kindness and compassion can leave you feeling drained, can take a toll on your health, so many things. Um, And you're right, Leslie, if this is something you do as part of your work, you may rarely get a break from it. So interestingly... um, uh, a friend and colleague of mine, um, uh, his name is Stan Steindl. He's 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 an Australian um, expert on compassion. He posted something on social media just this morning that really got me thinking more about this idea of compassion fatigue. So, uh, Stan does a lot of work in what's called the compassionate mind framework, and. Uh, There's just definitely not time to dig into it right now. We're we're just trying to touch on some topics here, but he talks about six attributes of compassion. I'll run through them quickly, but if folks who are listening are interested, I can post some information about how you can learn more about his work. But those six attributes of compassion are sensitivity, non-judgment, care for well-being, empathy, sympathy, and distress tolerance. And while all six of these may be relevant to what we're talking about, some may seem more relevant to compassion fatigue than others. Um, if you think about it, Leslie, when we are sensitive, that's one of the attributes, when we are sensitive to the pain of others and we feel empathy uh, and we, we may hold a wish for that person's well-being, but when we empathize with suffering, it can tire us out. Um. Stan made a really interesting point in his video earlier. He said, when sympathy turns into personal distress, we are more likely to move away from helping. So let's just think about what that means in like basic terms. Like if, if I'm hearing about your pain and suffering, Leslie, and I start to empathize and even sympathize with it, um, it can cause me personal distress to be hearing about your suffering in some way. And if I'm feeling distress, I might lean away from even being helpful at all. Do you have any experiences with that or thoughts about that?
1: Um, yeah, I actually... What's coming to mind is a friend of mine who is someone who feels things so deeply. She is an extremely empathetic person um, to the point of, I think, detriment in a lot of cases. And I think that I accidentally offended her because I told her she did a good job when <laughs> recently there was some, uh, you know, sort of not so great things that she heard about. And she came to me and she told me about them and I was like, well, how are you doing? She's like, Oh me, I'm, I'm fine. And I was like, that is a huge accomplishment for you because she is somebody that would let that, you know, even though like the secondhand trauma in a way, um, she would let that seep into her soul. And she, you know, and, and, previous times she would she would feel that for days to come even though it's not her personal trauma i was like you know you've done a really great job with extracting yourself from that and she was like wait are you saying that she's like oh i I probably should have taken that more more personally or more seriously or i should be more affected i was like no no no. i'm so glad that you're not going to go home and
0: need uh to have a a drink about what had what happened you know Yeah, what you noticed was a person who was having um, enough compassion for herself to not get drawn into something that might cause harm. Yeah. Okay, so it's so funny, though, because I was listening to this video uh, or watching this video that Stan posted, and I I left him a little comment and said, I'm going to be talking about you on my podcast in a few hours. So here I am. And he said, which always grabs attention, he said, I'm going to say something controversial. So, of course, I had my coffee and I leaned in. I said, please, Stan, please say something controversial. And he said, what if there is no such thing as compassion fatigue? And a little part of me was like, what? I have uh, built my career on leading workshops on things like this. You cannot take this away from me. But I was interested. And Stan reminded me... That he, in his work, speaks about compassion as a flowing thing. And it flows in many directions. There is compassion that flows from me to other people. There is compassion that flows from other people to me. And there is compassion that flows from me back to me. That's compassion to myself. Um. And he said, what if there are times when the flow is just off balance, when our compassion is flowing toward others and not enough back toward us? And he said, what if it's just a matter of kind of correcting that balance? He gave a cool example, um, and, and and I would be happy to share this with folks so that he can put it in his own words and you don't have to hear it straight from me. But um, he gave this example of training Professionals who are helping professionals. Um, I'm not sure. I don't remember from the video if he said they were healthcare providers or social workers, but they are helping professionals. And he asked them. He asked them to rate in some way, sort of the compassion they feel for others. And it was like off the charts. You know, it was, oh, I feel so worried about people and I care about them so strongly and I think about them at night. And then he asked them to rate the compassion they feel for themselves and the compassion they let themselves receive from others. And it was so low. And the, the idea was he was revealing that there's there's an imbalance of this flow. And part of what might help us avoid whether you want to call it compassion fatigue or something else, is allowing ourselves to receive compassion from others and to keep some for ourselves. Any thoughts about that, Leslie?
1: You know, I think that that's an important thing for all of us to learn is that we all deserve compassion no matter what we are experiencing and no matter what we have experienced in our past. past. Um, And, you know, so I, I think he's almost... It sounds like he's not even saying that compassion fatigue isn't a thing. He's saying it's time to redirect and say, do I need to take care of me? And this kind of reminds me of the self care conversation we had a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Um, it's an interesting thought that, that I might need to take time in my day to pause and ask, am I receiving enough compassion? Oh, you know, I just never really like took the time to wonder uh, are people giving me the compassion that I seem to be giving others. Um, and I'm probably not going to quote him exactly here. But Stan said, why not stop each day, turn attention to yourself and ask, how's my heart today? Uh, how's my body today? How's my mind? And maybe we said this in some way, Leslie, probably not as eloquently as Stan did, <laughs> but maybe you know our message about taking good care of yourself is in there somewhere um, that you might need to practice some self-compassion but you might also need to open yourself up to receiving compassion from others and maybe that's the flow that i feel i haven't paid enough attention to
1: i think that's brilliant and i i feel like most people are not going to sit there and say let will say like hey how you doing or you know how's your day um and maybe some of them do mean how's your heart today um but they're probably not going to ask that and so i think most of us tend to sort of do that knee-jerk like good good how are you um or like oh yeah uh okay um but then feeling like well you know yeah i had a, a shitty day but you know other people had much worse um so you know I, I love that idea of like having that sort of like moment of assessment and i think that actually might even help um you know, maybe maybe do it like during a mid morning break or something. Make yourself an apple with some peanut butter, uh, repour some coffee, whatever whatever's going on in your life. Um, stop for a second and say like, Okay, I've lived the first couple hours of this day. How's my head today? How's my heart? How's my physical body? How's my emotional well being? Um, what's sitting heavy on me? Is there anything that's affecting The way that i'm handling my day today especially if you're somebody that you know those emotions really um they really sit on you Mm -hmm. i think that would be great and i honestly you know i've got an almost two-year-old not going to be something that he can answer quite yet but i'm envisioning hey theo how's your heart today
0: oh i wonder how many listeners we would lose if i opened every podcast with leslie (laughs) how's your heart today? I'm sure some people would be like, okay, enough, enough you two. Um, But what I might do, not while recording and not to make everybody get sick all the time, I I might start to ask myself, have I done a good job today of opening myself up to receiving Mm -hmm. compassion from others? Um, I think that'll be a new question that I check in on. It's like, have I been open to receiving compassion love and care and support in the same way that I'm giving it
1: and you know I think that that is a good a good exercise to do so when when someone says you know oh I'm throwing compassion in your direction or like I'm sorry this happened and something so you don't automatically go with that like my experience is not that big of a deal I feel like that's my kind of knee jerk Mm -hmm. um and uh, my coworkers are just making fun of me because I don't ever admit that I'm sick until uh, I've got like dark circles under my eyes, and <laughs> someone's like waving uh, antibiotics in front of my face. Um, um, and so, like maybe if you can have give yourself that moment to say, uh, maybe I'm not fine, and maybe it, you know it's it's not sitting on me that hard today, but you know I'm I'm feeling extra something. You know, sometimes it's been saying like, hey, listen, I'm unfocused right now. What can I do to give my brain a moment to? Get experience the things that are stopping me from focusing in on my work. <laughs>
0: you, Leslie just said that was a tangent. I don't think that was picked up on the mic and I'm pointing it out because it may have been a tangent about how you're unfocused. <laughs> <laughs> and a little part of me wanted to be like, is it happening right now? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So just to wrap this part up, I will say I think my new commitment is to try not to think about receiving compassion as like neediness, but as a responsibility I have. I have a responsibility to also receive from others and that doesn't make me needy or weak or problematic. It's, it's one of the flows. There are three, three. That, that's a tongue twister. There are three flows of compassion and one of them I may have been neglecting. Um, and so it's worth thinking about that. Okay.
1: So is your flow heavy or light? <laughs>
0: Um we're going to change topics a little bit. Um we also did an episode that I called Mr. Brightside because I love the Killers and that's my favorite song that they do. Um but the topic was this idea of toxic positivity and trying to help people see the bright side and think of it this way and be positive and blah, blah, blah. And it's not that I'm bringing it back up because I necessarily have new things to say about it. I think that I may have new things to emphasize um, because I got a little feedback from some of our listeners after that episode. And listeners gave me feedback like, I don't know, Kate, I don't see the problem with being positive all the time. Isn't a positive attitude a great thing to have? And isn't it helpful to be able to see the silver lining and dark situations and have hope and be grateful for what we have rather than sorry for what we don't have? And the answer to those questions is, of course, of course, of course. time and place. Time and place is as a factor, but also whose decision was it to be positive? And so, what I I'm not changing anything we've said about this already. I'm just going to emphasize that positivity is a wonderful thing to have in your life when it was your own decision to go there and you were ready to go there. The problem is not being positive. The problem is when positivity is imposed upon you by somebody who just doesn't want to hear your shit right now. That's the problem. And I, I have an example here. Um, I have a, a friend who was um, she was unemployed for a little while, and she was you know looking for a job and working really hard to find a job and applying and interviewing and networking. And I know she put a lot into it and. She ultimately, very recently, was offered a job and she called me and she said, Well, I got that effing job. (laughs) I love her. I love her too. And I knew that the job she got was not her first choice. And she was very concerned about some red flags of this organization. And I knew they didn't offer her the pay that she deserved. And there were a lot of problems. And the thing is, I, separate from her, I was still so happy for her. And I wanted to be like, let's party. Let's celebrate. Let's jump up and down. I was really excited that her job search was over. I actually kind of thought the job sounded really cool. I was ready to be positive about it. She was not ready to be positive about it. And I so badly wanted to be like, "No, no, this is great news. Think of this, you know, all the opportunities you're going to get and you're going to get a cool business card and you're going to you're going to meet great people and you'll be able to do some more networking and this is this is an amazing stepping stone and it's a door open for other things." I had to hold that back. I had to hold that back. And I said something like, I know you are disappointed, and I'm not gonna try to make you happy about this. I will admit, I'm a little happy about some of the things I see coming, but that's, that's me. I'm, I'm in a different place than you are right now. I said, I, I see a lot of opportunity here, but you're not there, and that's okay. I am not gonna cheerlead you into feeling good about this. I said, I do hope at some point you get there because there probably are some, some silver linings, but we don't need to do that right now. You're not, you're not happy and you you need a little time to mourn what job you dreamt you would have. It was my, what I'm sharing is that I had to actively hold back all that bright siding I wanted to do.
1: Yeah. And I think that what was happening, the undercurrent of that is that you were relieved of of having to, you know, see her suffer more. And it's a relief to us because, of course, you don't want your, you know, person that you care about to be um, suffering at all. And when you're seeing something, I perceive this to be the end of suffering. (laughs) Um, And you're like, I just want to I want to rejoice now. Um, And, you know. I can understand why anybody would feel that way, but I think you know what you did in that moment was say, "Hang on, this relief is my relief."
0: Yeah, this was a moment of self-restraint, and and I think that's what I'm asking the listeners to pay attention to. It seems the first time we spoke about this, a, a lot of folks heard. The message that being positive is bad, uh, and and if that's what we conveyed, then I'm glad we're circling back because that is that was not the intention. the uh, the The message that I think we're trying to say is that trying to force someone to see things the way you see it and stifle their process is not so helpful. That you can't tell a person be positive. That doesn't make them more positive. I mean, you can't tell someone you know, don't be mad. That doesn't make them less mad. You can't tell a person don't be angry. It doesn't make them less angry. Um, And so sometimes we like the idea that we could tell a person how to feel, but it just doesn't work.
1: I think you can ask them like, oh, you know, it sounds like you're really kind of disappointed about this. Do you feel like there's any, any positivity, any, any, anything good about this situation? Or is it all just a big bummer?
0: Yep. Yeah. You can see how open they are to exploring the positives. Uh, I think that's one really helpful approach is, are there any silver linings? Not that I'm going to make you see them, but do you see any? And then another one was the approach I took was more like, I am not going to make you look at the bright side. What I will admit though, is I'm seeing it. And I just, I hope at one point you're there with me, but you don't have to be there today. Um, So she'll probably listen to this and say, hey, you are talking about me. Uh, Or she won't listen. And what kind of friend is she anyway? (laughs) Um, All right. Well, those were really the two topics I wanted to circle back to. I think it's kind of nice when we don't put something away completely. We can always bring it back out. Um, Thanks for doing this with me, Leslie. And uh, we'll see everyone next time.